2: This is Stacking the Box with NFL Insider Matt Verderam and Mark Carmen.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam. I am playing a little bit more of the role of host this week with Mark Carmen at Bears OTA. So God bless you, Carm. Enjoy. Uh, but I am joined, of course, by the esteemed Ben Heisler of Betside, and Ben normally, of course, with us for the betting portion of the show this time. With us for the entire show, Ben, you're stuck for the hour. How you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be stuck with you, Verderam. Fun show ahead. Uh, very excited to, to dive into a lot of these different categories, especially when it comes to trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen in this wild AFC West. And uh, a little bit later on in the show, looking forward to, to hearing some of your thoughts on some of these dark horse MVP picks. A lot of movement early on since the offseason began. Saw a little bit more movement after the draft. So curious to get your perspective on some of those guys that may not be amongst the initial conversation starters uh, when it comes to MVPs this year.
3: Yeah, I always find it interesting. Like, Look, most years, 90% of the time, it's going to be a quarterback who wins MVP. And that, that's only improving year after year now as is, is the league is trending so much more towards quarterback and, and passing stats and everything else. But I'm also you know, keeping an eye on some of these guys who are receivers, who n- now it feels like, especially with 17 games, are approaching 2,000 yards in a season. You have those rare running backs, guys like Derrick Henry, who are always a threat for 2,000 yards. We'll get to all that uh, here in just a few minutes. But I wanted to start. Listen, I think we're, we're, let's be real, we're in the dead period, all right? we're, we're through the draft, we're through free agency, schedule release is over. And now it's, you know, it's OTAs and really the kind of a wait and see approach until we get to, you know, mid-July or so once training camp starts to ramp up. And so every week we're going to try to hit some topic that is going to be a big topic come September. And I think I want to start with no division, no division has gotten better or more competitive than the AFC West. You can certainly make a case the NFC West is good. The AFC North is quietly very good. But the AFC West. The Raiders made the playoffs last year. The Chiefs hosted the AFC title game for a fourth straight year last season, and they won the division six times in a row. Denver went out and got Russell Wilson, and the Chargers added a bunch in free agency and in a trade with Khalil Mack. Looking at it from 30,000 feet, how do you handicap the AFC West?
1: I think you still have to balance it with the Kansas City Chiefs on top. I think there's been – the major substantial movement is, is losing Tyreek Hill, um, but you still have the best quarterback perhaps in the league and you still have plenty of the key pieces in place to feel like it's still a team that, A, has also dominated this division since Andy Reid came to the Chiefs back in 2013. I, I Even with the loss of Tyreek Hill, which I mean you know is substantial, like that's a clear-cut threat and the number one receiving option in this offense, other than Travis Kelsey. And so they're going to have to adapt, but they've made some moves to help them stabilize it. It's not going to replace Tyreek Hill, but it does keep things still moving. Mahomes still has a plethora of weapons. Defense, per, perhaps the, the kid out of Purdue makes a, a little bit of an impact, improves the pass rush, which was a disaster last year. Uh, getting that corner, uh, McDuffie out of Washington potentially stabilizes that position, which was a position of need. I still look at the Chiefs at the top, but then I don't know how you kind of figure it out the rest of the way because Denver having a quarterback now with the weapons that Wilson has, it's clearly a locked-in opportunity for him. But I think the other thing about Denver that I'm starting to doubt a little bit is whether or not that defense is as elite as people think they are. Like, they actually struggled in their DVOA rankings last year. They weren't great at getting to the quarterback. And I, I talked with Peter Dewey over at Betside, who's a, a diehard Denver Broncos fan. Um, and he attributes a lot of that lack of success to once they traded Von Miller, they kind of just punted defensively on the season. And that the first half Broncos were more of that defense that you expect. Mm-hmm. But right, to me, I'd have to go Chiefs, then Chargers, because I, I just buy the quarterbacks there, followed by. Denver, I guess, and, and then and then the Raiders because I, even though the Raiders made the postseason and they got Devontae Adams, uh, there's still a lot missing on the defensive side. And you might be able to try and compete a little bit back and forth with the rest of the division offensively. Defensively, I, I think they rank at the lowest portion of it just to try and be able to get some stops. So I, that's probably the order that I'd go for now with the Chiefs on top. Yeah, I,
3: look, you know what? You can make a case for a lot of different rankings, one through four. I mean, you really could. You can make a case for the Chargers finally getting over the hump and being the team you look at and say, hey, look, they've got a great young quarterback in Justin Herbert, and you've got J.C. Jackson now at corner with Asante Samuel, and you've got Darwin James in the backfield as well, and Bosa and Mack on the edges. The problem I have with the Chargers, and will forever have with the Chargers, until, until something finally changes, is can they win big games? Right. And they ever win a big game? I mean, this is a team that last year had, had an opportunity. My daughter goes running out of the office. Uh, ha- has an opportunity to really stamp their, their seal in the AFC West, so to speak, against the Chiefs last season on Thursday Night Football at home. Couldn't do it. Then they go get blown out by Houston in December and then lose to the Ravens. The, in that classic wild game week 18, I am with you ultimately here. I, if you said to me what is the thing you're most certain of in the AFC in the AC West, I'd give you two things. One is the Raiders' defense is going to kill them this season. I am I, I look. That's, that's I, a good
1: front four too.
3: They have, look. They have Crosby and Jones. who are great. I defy anyone who's an average football fan to name one other player on that defense. I mean, what are we talking about? Rocky Sin and Trayvon Mullen at corner? Th- that That's not going to play. Like, when you look at the defenses in that division, the Chargers have a lot of talent. I'm with you with Denver. I wonder how much fans you're leaving. That makes a big difference. But there's some talent there. The Chiefs def- defensively are kind of a wild card because they have so many young guys. Like I actually think defensively the Chiefs are going to stink early in the year because they just have a million new faces. But how good are they by the middle of the year?
1: All right, and that and that's also been a theme for them over the last few seasons too. Yeah. Not necessarily because of the young talent, but I'm starting to figure out some stuff defensively midway through yeah. and starting to improve when they really need to when everyone starts to
0: freak out.
3: It is, and so, but like the Raiders, I don't see the upside there. If I'm playing the Raiders and I'm an offensive coach, I'm basically saying, "Look, we can't let Crosby and Jones beat us, and if, if we can hold them off for two seconds, we're going to we're going to score a ton of points." So. I think even though they went to the playoffs last year, I think the Raiders are the worst team in the division, because I don't think they can stop anybody. I don't love Josh McDaniels as a head coach. There's been look, Josh McDaniels, when he has not had Tom Brady, has been awful yeah. as a head coach and as an offensive coordinator. And I like Derek Carr. I really do. I think he's a top twelve quarterback in the league, but he's the worst quarterback in the division. Like, so I to me they're the worst team, even though they're not bad. They're just the worst of the four. I I still think the Chiefs, look, that team's won that division six years in a row. And until somebody proves they can beat them in a big spot in that division, I'm rolling with them. I, I still think in the end, you've got Mahomes, you've got Reed, you got a great offensive line. You've got weaponry. You know, it, it's going to be tough to beat them late in the year. Denver season in week 14 and week 17. And that's late. That's when they're going to be revving it up and, and you're going to have to take them down probably at their peak, as long as they're healthy. So, I'm with you. I, saw. I, I like the Chiefs at the top, and I and I agree with your rankings. I think the Chargers are the second-best team. What do you think of Russell Wilson? Like, do you think that – now, look, obviously he's a big upgrade for them. No one's arguing that point. But is, is he – to you, is he going to be a guy who goes in there and makes them Super Bowl contender, playoff contender? Do you think he's past his peak at 34 years old? I mean, what – because I think that's really the wild card of, of the division.
1: I don't think he's past his peak. I, I think you had a fundamental difference of opinion between how he wanted to operate in Seattle and, and how the coaching staff wanted to operate for him. Because you saw the first half of, yeah. of a season ago, not, not last year, but the year before, he was legitimately MVP. a top contender and a top favorite for MVP. Yeah. The numbers were there. They went back to the postseason. He was having a marvelous season with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett they were using uh, some of their running backs more in the passing game than we initially would have thought. Um, you know, the tight end position was, was working for them too with, with a bunch of no name guys. Um, yep. And we, and I actually thought that when they, when they got, um, Oh God, I'm, I'm blinking out on his name. He used to play for the Rams. When he came over to Seattle. Uh, what's
3: his name? Gerald
1: Everett. Gerald Everett. Like yep. that's a big athletic fast tight end that can operate in the middle of the field and can also block a little bit. And they really didn't incorporate him that much into the passing game. So now you have weapons in Denver. Are they necessarily better weapons than than what he had in Seattle? I, I don't know. We had talked about Denver having great offensive weapons, but Sutton did not have a good year at all last year. Judy got hurt. Um, you still have K.J. Hamler in the middle of the field. It's got good Patrick. speed um Yeah. And Patrick is there too, and he's kind of a bit overlooked. So maybe they have more weapons. I don't think they necessarily have better weapons that's, than what he had in Seattle. That's
3: kind of where I fall. like That's why Denver to me is weird because I look at them and I'm like, hey, Patrick, Judy, Sutton, okay. I like the backs, especially Javante Williams. As Gonzo points out in the chat, I don't love their offensive line. Their offensive line, like Bowles has made himself in a really good left tackle. I don't love the rest of that line. It's not the worst in the league. Which, by the way, is another reason with the Raiders—they terrify me. Other than Colton Miller, that team can't block anybody. But I think Denver's offensive line is middling. But the thing that's interesting with with Seattle, or excuse me, with Denver getting Russell Wilson from Seattle is, I like the weapons, but I would argue pretty easily Metcalf's better than any of them. Yeah, Lockett's better than any of them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it, to be fair, now the Chiefs have Kelsey, but. It's kind of like the Chiefs are going from this like I keep likening it to the Chiefs had a movie with with two movie stars in Kelsey and Hill. Now it's more of an ensemble anchored by one star, right? Like now it's more like Kelsey and friends. With Denver, it's kind of just like and friends. There is no like on third and eight that guy's getting the football. Like it's it's like well, it, which maybe isn't the worst thing. Maybe you spread it around, it all works out. But in Seattle, there were two guys who, you, if you got single coverage, that guy was going to win. Yeah, I don't know with Denver if that guy is going to win. And that, I do think, matters. I also have no idea if Nathaniel Hackett's a good coach, a terrible coach, or somewhere in between. There's just a lot of uncertainty in Denver where I don't have that with the Chiefs, and even to some degree, to be fair, I don't have that with the Chargers. I
1: think, I think with Judy, though, I think he has a chance to be that guy. Could like I, I think he can go into a breakout role from the ensemble, you know, like best supporting actor in the right. Denver Broncos movie to a potential, you know, actor in a leading role. I he's got the talent. Like that was when he came out of Alabama, like the route running was by far and a way, like top level, like best route runner in the draft, I believe. Um, and, and he was on his way to having a really nice season, even with drew Locke's inconsistencies. Um, But now you're dealing with a potential situation, an offseason situation with Judy, which we're not sure uh, what the ramifications are going to be for that. And and let's not forget, like, the type of numbers that Sutton put up a few years ago were really impressive. Yeah, excellent. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, and he's had inconsistency issues as well. Like, you're talking about, again, it's not Metcalf. I I don't want to go ahead and put you know that type of conversation and comp together. But, like, a third down and seven type guy, I, I think Judy is a great pick. And what was so good about Lockett was his ability to stretch the field and with Sutton's speed when he's healthy, like that's definitely comparable to Lockett. Like he's that type of guy where he's going to be a big downfield threat for them. And then you still have Hamler with that speed. You can use him on crossing routes. And they got that really athletic kid from, from Missouri uh, now Albert that they've moved on from fans. No, yeah. Nobody
3: can pronounce the name. Yes. Albert Yeah. Albert. He played two
1: hours for me and I still can't pronounce his name. Yeah. So, so they're, they're they're interesting. Like they're they, they they are. genuinely interesting because I, I think you have perhaps the second highest ceiling offensively in the division, or they could be the worst offensive Russ has cooked. I, I just don't think he's cooked yeah. yet. But. If he is, I even what kind of whatever kind of magic Nathaniel Hackett can potentially cook up, uh, if Russ is done or if he's already on the decline, uh, I think we'll see it fairly quickly because this division will this division will beat the hell out of you if you're not prepared for it.
3: Yeah, no, there's no question. And I, I look if he's done, they're they're going seven and ten. I mean, if, if he if that's the case, it's over. I, I'm with you though. I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done. I still think he's got a couple of really good years left in him. Um, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I do think they're a playoff team. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we'll see how that shakes out. And, and a lot of that, and you mentioned it, like Cortland Sutton, of all those receivers, he's my favorite guy. Can he stay in the field? Yeah, he can stay on the field, maybe he has 1,200 yards. You know, it's possible. Um,
1: really, really quickly, I, I also yeah. know that Gonzo weighed in on, on Khalil Mack and how everyone's kind of boosting him up. He hasn't been the same since 2018, had the foot injury with Chicago last year. I think if you're actually talking from talent, top to bottom, from offense to defense, the Chargers have the best roster. The Chargers have the best yeah. roster. There I'm is. with you there. And, and, and Jalen weighs in on that too. He says he thinks they have the best roster, but they're a choke artist. Like you mentioned, like how much would be, would we be going in that other direction, taking truly the most talented team from top to bottom, if not for the fact that they continue to find all these different ways, like, is it fair for us? Even though the roster is vastly improved from a season ago, for us to look at it and say, "Yeah, they have the best roster," but we still just don't trust them.
3: Oh, it's, it's 100% fair. I mean, at some point you've got to win games, okay? I mean, I, look, talent's great. My dad is a great saying. Uh, I, I believe in wholeheartedly. Potential's a fancy word for saying you've never done anything. Because if you're any good, you don't have potential. You're just good. The Chargers are the kings of having potential. Every year, it's, you know, I, I think they've got a lot to, and, and look, I'm, you know, I go, listen, we all make predictions. I, I predict every game like a moron every year, okay? And, and I do it in May. That was a great
1: piece, by the way. That oh, was fun God. to read.
3: Thank you. But my, my God, I mean, it, it, I'll, I'll be a dope, I'm sure, by October. That being said, everybody makes their predictions. I've seen a lot of people pick the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl. And I get, like, from a talent perspective, you could make that argument. But I look at them and go, can they make the playoffs first? Can they do that? Because every year we do this, and every, like last year, listen, and I give the Raiders a lot of credit. That team went through more crap last year than any team I can remember in a long time. Okay. Derek Carr and Rich Bisaccia held that team together, made a crazy run at the end to get into the playoffs. But I don't think even a Raiders fan, if they're being honest, would argue that that team was more talented than the Chargers last year. And the Chargers go into a game where all they've got to do is win one game to get in, and they can't do it. They just can't do it. And, you know, I don't know what I think of Staley. Like, I I like him, but he's so aggressive that it's going to backfire in some games. They're going to lose some games based off of the aggression. They're also going to win some. They're going to lose some based off that. I'd also say with the Chargers, the one thing other than the fact they just lose every big game they play that scares the hell out of me, they got a lot of guys in that team that get injured. A lot of them. I mean, Bosa gets hurt all the time. Derwin James has missed, I think, 28 games over his first four seasons, okay? Keenan Allen, Mike cool. Williams. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Her, Austin Eckler has been durable, but last year got hurt. You know, you're talking about Asante Samuel last year, a really good rookie, but unfortunately had multiple concussions. I mean, that is a team. Talented, yes, they're hurt all the time. And not like a one-off thing. They're hurt constantly. And you know what? People say, well, the Chargers, they have no luck. Well, if you keep bringing guys back who are hurt over and over and over, at some point it's not bad luck. It's just you're rolling the dice, and you're probably going to lose on that. So I, I do wonder with them, can they stay healthy? Khalil Max and other guys coming off a big injury, like can they stay healthy? And if they can, look, God, don't I don't care. I mean, shouldn't say I don't care. I won't be impressed if they beat the Chiefs Week Two at Arrowhead. I don't care. Like that to me means nothing. Can you can you win the game? When you play them in December, you know, or I think they play them in real late November, actually. Like, can you win that game? Because that's the game where it's going to be, okay, you're tied with five games to go. And you if you win, you win the tie. Like, that's been the game that they always seem to stumble all over themselves in and they can't find a way to win. I will Let's wrap up the AFC West here real quick. If you had to pick a team that will – I'll combine the two bullet points I have here. A team that – of the four – that you think you'd be you could be the most off on one way or the other. Which one do you think it is?
1: That I would be the most off on I mean or your that,
3: prediction. Yeah, which one do you think could vary the most?
1: Probably probably the Broncos, right? Because of the level of variance that you have with a brand new quarterback and a brand new system thrown to completely different guys than he had before, at least with the other three AFC teams. You know that it's a stable and very good quarterback group. You have Mahomes, you have Justin Herbert, you have Derek Carr. And regardless of where you rank Carr amongst the NFL's elite, or if he's in tier two or three or four, whatever it is. Good yes. Good player, consistent player. You said he's a top 12 quarterback. I, I, I'd have to go in and maybe take a double, you know, closer look, but I I, I think that's a fair ranking for him. He's right um, on that. Yeah. So I, I I think there's just so much unknown with Denver. Like, which defense are we going to get? It's a brand new coach coming in. What sort of scheme is going to work for them? Are they going to be able to generate any sort of a pass rush? Um, You know, like, they have some aging guys on that defense as well. How are they going to be able to hold up against a division that you might have to stop? And if you give up less than 30 points, like, are you going to be in the game? That's the sort of perspective that with Denver, you just don't know what to expect on both sides of the ball, that it could either be spectacular and a perfect fit, or it could be a complete and total disaster. I feel like I can project the other three teams much better than I can with Denver.
3: Well, you and I are on lockstep because I feel the same way. I will tell you right now, if you're them, you better get off to a damn good start because early in the year, their schedule is very easy. They play Seattle on a Monday night, home to Houston. They get the Niners at home on Sunday night football. Then, okay, they're at the Raiders. That's always a difficult game in division. Home on a Thursday night, short week, playing the Colts. And then you get Monday night football at the Chargers. Okay. Tough game. But then you have the jets and the Jags before a buy, right? Like that is a schedule where you could easily be sitting there and looking at six and two, but after the buy their schedule, especially down the stretch here becomes no joke. I mean, you know, you come out of the buy, you play at Tennessee, difficult game home to the Raiders. Okay. Then you get the last easy game of the year at Carolina. After that, Their last six games at Baltimore, Kansas City, Arizona, at the Rams, at the Chiefs, home to the Chargers.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like how they're ending the season is how the Chiefs are starting the season.
3: Right. And, you know, it's funny. If you look at the other schedules with the Chargers and Raiders, it's kind of the same. Like the Chargers and the Raiders also have, like, fairly easy schedules if memory serves. If the Chiefs are even with those teams after about eight weeks, turn out the lights because they are look, the Broncos are going to struggle down the stretch. The Raiders' schedule is impossible late year. I mean, I, I think it's, it's one of the hardest stretches I can remember. I'm going to pull it up really quick before we move on here. The Raiders' schedule at the end of the year is almost as hard as Denver. I don't know if I'd say it's quite as hard, but it's, it's close. They start out the year, they play the Chargers week one, that rematch of the week 18 game. But you look at their slate down the stretch. So – Week 13, Chargers at home. Then they're at the Rams. Home to New England, at Pittsburgh. Home to the Niners. Home to the Chiefs. Now, they got a few home games in there. But again, a lot of playoff teams. A lot of teams that are going to be fighting for playoff positioning. So, I think those teams, if you're Denver, if you're the Raiders especially, you need to get out in front of Kansas City. You need to be out in front by a couple of games going into November. If you're not, you're done. You're not going to beat that team out. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. We, we, we feel the same way on a, on a lot of the stuff in the AFC West. and like moving on and going into the future real quick here. So one of the things that happened over the weekend, I, I don't know about you. I did not expect it, not see coming. Uh, and I reached out to a bunch of people in the NFL who none of them saw it coming. Drew Brees, uh, out after one year at NBC, which that's not surprising. It didn't seem like the analyst role really fit him very well, but, at 43 years old, all of a sudden he says, well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I might play football again. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Do you see Drew Brees playing another football game in his career?
1: No, no. I, it's a fun little pipe dream, especially if you consider the Saints to be in a competitive window, which based off their defense and, and where they took somebody like Chris Olave in the draft in the first round, like they have all the makings of a team that's trying to try and win right now. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily prepared for it. And I think they were kind of banking on the fact that maybe Tom Brady was actually going to stay retired, but what does that accomplish? Like his final year, he was getting subbed out. He got hurt. They were using Taysom Hill more that ended up being a bit of a failed experiment. And now you brought back Winston to actually continue perhaps a successful run from a season ago, right? Like they were five and two with Jameis and they were big upset, big upset win in week one against the Packers where he played great. Now he wasn't, he wasn't the reason they were five and two, but they weren't losing because of him, which was a, a typical form of Jameis you either win because of him or you lose because of him. There's really no in between. They found an in between and he was a stabilizing force. And then once he got hurt, once he tore the ACL, he was out for five. You know, he was out the rest of the year. They lost five straight games, and any shot that they had at the playoffs went completely out the window. It just doesn't make sense. Brees can't throw the ball more than twenty yards downfield at this right. point. His arm was already trouble in those final years of his career. It does not make any sense for them to try and bring him back. You move on. It's a nice little story for now. Uh, I, I put it at zero point zero zero percent chance he plays again.
3: I'm with you. Forty-three years old. Look, Breeze was washed up his last year. I mean, let's just call it what it was. I would almost argue the Bucks should give him a ring because if he was even halfway decent in that playoff game, the Saints win going away. He threw a million picks. He was awful in that game. Um, he's forty three. That it, it, look, I, I get Brady's forty five. Let's not make Tom Brady the norm in anything. Okay, no. he is the exception to every rule we've ever known. I I would be shocked, shocked if Drew Brees even tries to make a comeback. Oh, by the way, though, fun little nugget. Because of the way the Saints manage their cap, which is unlike any other team in football, uh, they owe Brees $11.5 against the cap this I year. Drew Brees, 11.5, James Jameis Winston, $4 million. So Drew Brees getting three times the cap hit, essentially, of Jameis Winston. Um, I got to love Mickey and he's, Loomis.
1: He's getting paid not to play. That's the the best possible scenario in retirement. Not getting hit in less than twelve. I,
3: I, I know we got we got uh, a special surprise for everybody. It's Carm is uh, now joining us here from from uh, Bears OTAs. Awesome! Look at this. All right, so Carm, Car? uh, hey, the buddy. Bears complete a pass during these OTAs, and was it <laughs> were they longer than five yards?
2: So we haven't been granted access to see the Bears in action yet, Matt, until eleven forty-five. So uh oh, you're better me. off. Let's go home <laughs> now. <laughs> you know, that slander is is not welcome at this particular moment with all the optimism flowing in Chicago. Justin Fields going into year two, the schedule coming out. Bears fans, Patrick Schmidt on DeWindy's got him winning eleven games for the Ram. So oh, eleven. Does he
0: really?
2: He went to eleven. I, I Oh, my I, God. I like, said, like,
3: over the next three years? <laughs> hey, man. That's
2: the we're, We got the hits principal, Matt Eberflus, new <laughs> general manager, Ryan Poles. Aaron Rodgers has no one to throw the football to. You know, it's this, Justin Fields. That is right. But I think you could actually <laughs> argue that the Bears have a slight edge as far as targets to uh, right now over Green Bay, of course, so they might have a slight it's edge like of the quarter. Of <laughs> uh, hey, listen, it, it's May the whatever it is. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day. Uh, I am missing being on the full show with you guys, but uh, it, it's it's good to be out, see a little football, and uh,
3: and try to be positive. Uh, L- Lucas is saying that Nick Wright picked the Bears to go eleven and six, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to message Nick.
2: Uh, uh, that 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 seems incorrect, but Lucas has never been wrong on literally anything on this show, so I trust Lucas to the end of the world. Listen,
3: Nick loves Justin Fields, and I like Justin Fields, by the way, a lot. I just think the Bears have done everything basically to crater him and hit him in the kneecaps this offseason, but I, apparently uh, Nick Wright and yourself and, and Schmidt, the esteemed Patrick Schmidt, do not agree with that.
2: I mean, listen, the schedule is pretty favorable. Like, I, I got to eight wins um, – And like kind of looked around the room thinking this can't be right. But I mean, they've got a lot of bad football teams on there. They got the Texans coming in. You got Detroit twice. We don't have to go through the whole bear schedule, but there's a lot of winnable games. So yeah, Atlanta. Right. So, Hey, they, I think that uh, there is a certain level of professionalism coming out of uh, the coaching staff right now that was not here the past four years and you, you did win six games last year, right? And people are freaking out about who they've lost or that they're, that they're worse off. Well, Allen Robinson had a terrible year last year for the Bears. So did Khalil Mack. They, they were non-factors. So uh, is Fields going to be better? I, I think it'd be impossible for him to be worse. Will their offensive line be better? I would say that would be impossible for it to be worse. Uh, defensively, can the Bears get to the quarterback, I think, is a huge issue. Uh, but also, forget about this year. They're they're gonna have they're gonna have the most cap money of any team after next season. They they're they're already at ninety plus million. They could be you know if they get more creative, close to one hundred and twenty five. So they'll they'll be able to actually be in the mix and be a legitimate NFL football team one year from now.
1: All right. So okay. so to that point, Vernier, um, you brought up the fact that they're they're doing Justin Fields zero favors. I think part of the reason is that they themselves recognize that they're not going to be doing anything this year. Like there's there's an actual sense of like competence and and again, Carmen brought up the fact like there's competent and professional coaches. It's it's the goddamn Chicago (laughs) Bears. Like what's (laughs) this? This is the bar. The part is we have competency in the coaching staff in the front office.
2: Well, you you. I mean, it's Ben. Hot. Ben, it's yeah. it's been Mark Tressman, uh, old man, not interested, past his prime. John Fox, and way out over his skis. Should never have been a head coach. Matt Nagy. So, getting the competency is a big move here. Uh, you know, I, and I don't listen. Matt Eberflus has never been a head coach. Luke Getsy's never been an offensive coordinator.
3: Ryan are we Pol- sure they're confident? I, I mean, I'm not saying they're not, but like, are we sure that they
1: are? we also well, I, thought Matt Nagy I, and Ryan Pace were competent, you know, four years ago. You,
2: you know, it's a fair question. What, you know, who the hell knows they've never done it, but I, I do just get a, when I listened to, to Matt Nagy the last four years, I, I just had a very hard time wondering how, how that guy could ever communicate with a football team and be taken seriously. Eberflus, I don't have the same feeling. Um, and he, and he's, He's been successful in Dallas as a coordinator. He's been successful in India as a coordinator. He's got much a much larger resume to give you at least some confidence because the Bears are always hiring first-time head coaches because I can't even answer because I, I, they're too insecure to have somebody in the building that knows more than them, even though they always claim that they don't know anything. George McCaskey, what's up, Kevin Fishbane? They're all coming in today, baby. Um, so uh, shout-out to The Athletic. But so – yeah, I, I I do think that um, uh, it'd be impossible for them to be worse off. Let's, let's, let's say it like that, right?
3: Let, let's first of all, let's never let's never rule out the fact that the Bears find a way to screw it up worse. Secondly, <laughs> I, you picked them to win nine games according to your Twitter feed, yes. And I I am willing to bet you almost anything that they do not have a winning record. And and by the way, I'm not obviously I'm not like anti-Bears in this. Like I have nothing. Nothing against them. I just – I am willing to put almost anything other than my house and family on the line <laughs> that that team does not have a winning record. I, anything what? you want, Garm, anything. Money, beer, uh, are you gonna, shame, the, you name it. Oh, oh,
2: well, here, the over-under, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben Heisler, managing editor, that side, it is six and a half. That's that, correct. Uh, how about I just take the over, Am You willing to take the under?
3: Six and a half? Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, I probably am. Okay, all right. I think I picked him to win four games. So, yeah, I'll take the under.
2: Okay, well, I think last time we were betting jumping in the lake or something along those lines.
3: Yeah, something like
2: that.
1: It's it's actually a perfect number because not only is it the actual projected number, if Verderum has him at four, Carm has him at nine, that's a perfect place to meet right in the middle. So you got to go <laughs> six true.
3: and a half. That's true.
2: Uh, I'm assuming we've talked about Matt Verter and picking every single game like he does every year, and everybody has read that piece. If they haven't, you should go and do that right now and, uh, while you I, watch Dak in the box, right?
3: Uh, we, we mentioned it briefly, yeah. Uh, all 272 regular season games picked, plus all the way through the playoffs. The Bears did not make the playoffs. Um, but I – look, I, by the way, I'm a big like, – I love Justin Fields. I just am looking at him and thinking, like, I could be their number two receiver right about now. Um, Carm, you're there, you might as well line up in the slot, and see if you can get uh, some snaps out of you. let uh,
2: listen, I don't, I wouldn't say that I quite love Justin Fields. I, I, I am in the maybe he is, maybe he isn't camp, so we'll see. But uh, I am in the camp that you can use David Montgomery better, I am in the camp that. Uh, Darnell Mooney's going to take a step forward. I am in the camp that even their tight end should be, Cole Komet should be a better player this year than he has been. Um, and, and also, you know, there there are pieces out there that could make sense for the Bears at some point here. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, they're 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 not going to spend. Yep.
3: We're gonna let you go in a minute, but we've got to inform the people. Uh, your your playoff tennis match. Oh. I, mean, I know, I know. This is painful, but uh, <laughs> you know, we left people with a cliffhanger. How did it go? Uh, what happened, Carm?
2: So you know, I got out there. Uh, I and I and I had my my mental uh, game on. I was I was you know I, I, t- I spoke in the mirror at myself. I had a I, I I I you can do it, Carm. All that went on. And uh, then I get out there and a gentleman by the name of Mike Weinstein just took me to the woodshed. I played uh, arguably well as I texted you for him, and he's just yeah. a better, more talented, supreme uh, tennis player. I, 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 I was trying to battle to stay stay alive in the last game, even though I was lost the first at 6-2 and was down 5-1 in the second He, I'll just, I know nobody wants to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. He hits, I'm at the net. He hits a passing shot past me. I reach out with my left hand. I'm a righty and just somehow get a little bit of the racket on it. It goes over the net and I'm going to, it's, I'm going to win the, I'm going to win the game. We're playing no ads. So that point, whoever wins that point wins the game. The dude sprints in. I don't know. He was like, put on his Carl Lewis shoes, flicks it over. And and I just standing there watching him do it match over Shake hands, go home, and uh, and feel like the uh, inadequate athlete that unfortunately uh, I I I guess I am. So uh, the season is over. Uh, I am in the losers bracket. So uh, hopefully tonight I won't lose on the losers bracket side, uh, which there's that's just consolation. You guys paid. We'll give you a court for one more night before the summer starts. Go ahead and have it. So, oh.
1: Carmen, uh, you have, know, you I, thought, have you thought about making the transition in your life? From tennis to pickleball, <laughs> because that might be an area now where you can flat out dominate, and then it's all winners' brackets the rest of the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years or so. Uh,
2: I, I'm dreaming up being that that 83 year old that's still out there playing with the 70 year olds, Ben, on the tennis court. I will not Beautiful give up. Beautiful thing. I will not give up. Uh, all I'm thinking about is 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 uh, YouTubing. What's what's the best exercises I can do to get some flexibility back in my hips at this tender age that I'm at? Because it's a little tight down there right now. So no, I, I, I can't go to pickleball at least not yet.
3: No, Carm, we'll get it this way. You know, 20 years of pickleball, then the home. All right. Hey, good luck. Uh, good luck, Bears. Uh, you might have had a better performance at tennis last week than the Bears are going to have this season. But uh, we shall see. Enjoy what it looks like a beautiful day. It, house.
2: it is a beautiful day at house. I'll, I'll tweet out a bunch of bears content for anyone who's interested to windy city. Hit that, uh, check it out right. on the YouTube, become a subscriber. We appreciate it. And, uh, guys have a great rest of the show. Thanks for having me. All
1: right, Good thanks,
2: see, you, see you, guys. If you suffer from ED, 15 minutes could change your life. Peak performance for men offers a revolutionary treatment called focus linear compression therapy. There's no pain, no needles, and no downtime. Now, Peak Performance for Men is offering six sessions free with qualifying treatment protocol enrollment. There's never been a better time or a better deal to fix ED. Call Columbus's only trusted, focused linear compression therapy provider today at 614-739-8181. That's 614-739-8181.
3: I'm, I'm sure everybody enjoyed the, the CARM drop-in, which is always entertaining, especially when it's about CARM and CARM's failures in different various athletic events. I got to say, though, I, as much as I, I give Carm all kinds of crap, Carm, a, one of the nicest guys you could ever meet on and off the pod. He, um, he had me one time to the East Bank Club where he is an esteemed member in Chicago. Which, uh, Hi, so The way you're shaking your head, I'm sure you've probably been there. It's a, it's a very swanky uh, place.
1: I, I have. They, they offered many, many years ago when I was uh, a, a college student and uh, interning – uh, for the great Bruce Levine at uh, ESPN yep. Radio at the time. think they offered like a, a membership for like college students for like 50 bucks a month.
0: Wow. And so it's I was able to go nice. and, and
1: get a workout in before heading to the ballpark, uh, either going to Wrigley or going to the South Side each day. So, yes, got, got in that East Bend Club experience and uh, enjoyed it for the limited time that I was there.
3: I remember the first time I was there with Carm, we're walking past a bar and somebody's sitting there drinking a, you know, I forget what it was, some kind of a cocktail. It was Tony Moyaki. He's just sitting there, <laughs> former Chiefs in and sitting there hanging out, you know, like late afternoon. God, God bless him. Uh, but we play basketball, and I will tell you, um, they should have thrown me out and then given me a prison sentence. Like, I had not played basketball in probably a decade. And Carl's like, yeah, I'll just play some shoot-around. It was – I don't know that I hit I – th- I think I took three shots. I think I hit the rim once. It was, and I used to play basketball. Like, it was – no warm up, ten years of rust, and just hey, let's go, let's play against these guys. Some of which were like D two and D three athletes. It was, it was unfortunate. Um, it it was an edge. But Car was like
1: reasonably hanging in there. So he's a, as much he's a good basketball player. Like yeah, I haven't most- played, I haven't played against Car. Like we obviously like had played, you know, some sometimes earlier on when I was younger. I haven't played against him in a long, long time. But he always had that really good, quick first step. Uh in yeah. a good jump shot too. Uh um, yeah, like, he's a tough guy to play against.
3: As much as I love to crap on Carm, Carm's actually a much better athlete than he gives himself credit for. Like good basketball player, good tennis player. I've played beer league softball with Carm. Um that that was actually that was pretty fun. Yeah, it's it's in talk?
1: his family. Like his his dad was like an all state football player. Uh um, I didn't even like, know that. Like legitimate, yeah. like really, really talented football player growing up the uh, shout out to uh, to Fred Carmen just uh, an absolute dominant force I believe it was Marshall high School in the oh, 19, yeah. 1930s maybe yeah I was 1930s. Gonna say,
3: yeah he's man that man's pushing hundred candles he's still trucking.
1: yes he is so, yes
3: it's good for him but uh all right so we leave Carm at Bears camp which god bless carm um but let's go to another team that the receivers are shall we shall we say questionable? So I was doing some research on the Baltimore Ravens receiving core, and I'm just talking the wide receivers. I'm not talking about Mark Andrews for a second. If you total up their entire receiver depth chart and total the amount of receiving yards they had last season, the total is 1,012. There are 25 single players, including Mark Andrews, who had more receiving yards than the Ravens' entire receiving room. How concerned are you about the receivers in Baltimore and how that might hold them back from being the team that, frankly, it looks like they were going to be the last couple of years and it's never really quite developed in January?
1: I'm concerned, but it's also a really progressive and smart coaching staff in front office. And they did take a really talented ride receiver in Rashad Bateman last year. Now, he was hurt never really got consistently going but I I still believe in his talent I do think he's a fit for this offense but the rest of the the wide receiver room is right now you're starting wide receivers you're lining up if you're you're going in a three wide receiver set yeah you got Rashad Bateman you got Devin Duvernay and you got is it James Proche Proche
3: It's it's not good
1: right so what you're going to have to do and this is certainly a reflection of the offense that they're running um in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson and you know I think you know, Hollywood Brown kind of made this point that it's it's not predicated on a number one wide receiver the whole offense is built on the strength of Lamar Jackson in the running game it's it's so interesting to me like just sort of how this team is put together um like purely based off of this team skill set, which is good offensive line, electric athletic quarterback, who showed, by the way, in his MVP year that he can make plenty of throws downfield. I I still love Lamar Jackson um, in this league. I I don't think he slowed down one bit. The injuries are a little bit of a concern, but when he's healthy, I think he's as dangerous as almost anybody. Uh, And you have a really good tight end in Mark Andrews. They're just they just don't care about passing the ball. They, they use it as a means to be more threatening with their run game. And their run game can be very good. J.K. Dobbins, when healthy, is an electric runner. Gus Edwards is an absolute beast inside. They just signed Mike Davis. Uh, Justice Hill is still hanging around if they need more of the running back. Remember, they went through a ton of backs and lost multiple guys in the preseason last yep. year. So between Jackson getting hurt and multiple running backs going down very early in the season, they're going to get healthy this year. And Bateman is hopefully going to be healthy. So I'm, I'm concerned because the level of talent compared to the rest of the league doesn't hold up, but it's also an offense that doesn't really care about what that passing numbers are going to look like. Right. So
3: that kind of leads me to my point. I'm not worried about them in the regular season because they are very well coached. I think defensively they will be much better. Humphrey will be back this year. Yep. Peters will be back. They drafted Kyle Hamilton to play safety. Yeah, a great, um, great Great, great. Um, that team knows how to win football games. Like that like, – and, and look, I get it. Like from an analytics perspective, people would roll their eyes so far back in their heads they'd be blind. But it, it, they do. They know how to win. Um, I worry a little about the offensive line. Is Ronnie Stanley cooked? I think that's a fair question after what unfortunately has been a really injury mark the last couple of years. Um, but they're going to run – if Dobbins and Brad and, and Gus Edwards are both healthy, they're going to they're going to rush for probably 2,500 yards as a team. It's not even more than that. I mean, they're, they're just going to with Lamar and everything else. The problem I have with them – and I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. They, I, I think they're slept on as much as any team in football. I wouldn't be shocked if they win 12 games. The problem I have with them – Is come the playoffs? When you play the best teams, you have to care if you can throw the football. Like you just, you have to care about that. In in today's NFL, you can't play one way all the time, and that's just going to ride you to the Super Bowl. I I worry about them, and it's been shown over and over in the postseason. They can't score. I mean, they just get into these games where. And I know the game in Buffalo, the weather was a huge factor. It was a, it was a brutal day weather-wise. But guess what? It's Buffalo. If you go up there again in January, it's probably going to be brutal. Like the odds you're getting 60 and sunny in January in Buffalo, not great. All right. You go to Arrowhead, it may not be Buffalo. It's probably going to be pretty cold. And in Baltimore, it's probably going to be somewhat cold. Now, you might get a, a little bit of a, of a better day in Baltimore than you would in Kansas. You're certainly in Buffalo. Cincinnati it's gonna be cold like all the teams that are really good outside of maybe if you believe in the Chargers I mean even Denver it's gonna be cold like those are cold places to play they have struggled in those games to throw the ball for any amount of real yardage now does the weather play a part in that maybe but the other teams have been able to score enough points to win um and I just worry with Andrews as the one big guy, any reasonable team in the playoffs is just going to double him and say, beat us anywhere else. And and I worry about that for them. I think they're a really good team. I think they could win the North. I think they could contend. But I think at some point, like, if the, if the Bills get into a problem in third and 12, they've got digs. If the Chiefs get in that same problem, they have Kelsey. You know, if the Bengals get in that problem, they got a million guys. If the Ravens get in the third and even eight, if you double Andrews, then what? I mean, there's nowhere to go, and he's going to have to run for the first down. I thought last year, and then I'll leave it at this. You remember that game they played Thursday night against Miami, in Miami. Yes. Brian Flores, in that game, played cover zero all night. They got on the line of scrimmage. They blitzed the shit out of them and just said, go ahead, throw it. We don't care. And they couldn't do it anything and now where's Brian Flores he's on the he's on the Steelers you think they might see that game plan twice so I think it's just that is a concern I have for them is so I think in the regular season they'll figure it out they're smart they know what to do they're well run in the postseason being smart's not enough because everybody's smart it comes really hard to win those games
1: no doubt you're relying a lot on on Bateman taking that next step And again, like the skill set is very different than that of Hollywood Brown. Like he's not going to be that deep threat for him. He's a guy that's a possession receiver, move the chain. So like in a pinch, it actually makes a little bit more sense to go ahead and rely on somebody like him as opposed to Hollywood Brown. So maybe that's what they're banking on. And I'm with you. I I think Baltimore is a very dangerous team. Like I, I like their, they're over quite a bit uh, when it comes to, to their win total this year, because it's going to be an improved defense you're going to finally get healthy. You know, I think most sportsbooks right now have it at around nine or nine and a half. Baltimore is at least a 10-win team to yeah, me. I think over Especially that. if we think there's regression coming Easily. out of Cincinnati.
3: Easily over. Um, all right, we're going to move on to a few more real quick. Uh, Gonzo will answer real quick. Does Miami make the playoffs? And did you see Tyreek's tweet to a Chiefs? I did not see the tweet. I, I do not know what it's about. Um, as far as Miami make the playoffs, like, I'll be brief. I do not think they make the playoffs. You've got to be a top-seven team to make the playoffs well you want to talk about a team that I have no idea what to expect the quarterback has been in Tua has been either injured or ineffective for a lot of his career now the offensive line wasn't good they did not have great weapons and last year they finally added Waddle they have Kosicki and of course this year they'll be massively upgraded but I I don't know I think they're better but do I think they're better than Buffalo, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Kansas City, L.A., Denver, the Raiders? No. Well, that's nine teams. Like I, I mean, I just have a really hard time. By the way, there's only four teams in the league this year that have a three-game road trip. Philly, Green Bay, Kansas City, and Miami. Miami is the hardest of any of Miami's three-game road trip comes in December all the way across the country to the Chargers. All the way across the country to the Niners at Buffalo. Good luck in those three games.
1: Yeah, tough schedule, especially down the stretch for a first-time head coach who, Rude. who I believe in. Like they, they found. By the way, they talk about another team that that buys into the running game. Like it's Mike McDaniel, and they brought oh, yeah. in Raheem Mostert, and they they brought in some some nice weapons there. I think Chase Edmonds uh, signed with Miami as well. The difference is that they also signed Tyree Hill. So you have Hill, you have Waddle, you have Gusecki in the middle of the field. Like It's going back to your point, Vertoram, about like you can be a really good dominant running team and use it as a strength of your team, but you still got to be able to have the threat to go downfield. And Miami has that. I, 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 look, I like them more next year when they've had a full year in this system with McDaniel finally taking his lumps a little bit as a first-year head coach. I, they'll be a decent team they'll be improved, I think, from, from a season ago, but um, you know, defense might take a step back without Flores there, but I'm, I'm not baking on them making the playoffs. I just think there's too much competition. Like you said, in a very, very difficult AFC right now.
3: It's, it's so, so hard to say. They're they're an
1: NFC playoff team, but they're not NFC.
3: Yeah. But that, that just goes to show, right? Like it matters where you are. Of course. I said earlier in the show, the Raiders, I think they're the worst team in the AFC West. I think you agree. Yes. Um, if they were in the AFC South, I'd pick them to win the division. Like that's, But they're not in the AFC South. And that like that's, that's the problem you deal with, right? I and mean, I agree with you all day. Bennett Miami was in the NFC East. I might pick them, but they're not in the NFC East. So um, that's the way it goes. And look, speaking of the NFC East, real quick here, as we have a few more, and then we'll get into the MVP odds. Uh, all right, let's pick one. Eagles, Washington, or Dallas in the NFC East? Or I guess if you really want to go nuts to Giants. Who do you like in the NFC East in the division that is, shall we say, uh, open?
1: Yeah. I, there's still a lot left to be desired in this division. I don't think it's as yeah. much of a cakewalk for Dallas as most project it to be. I still think they have a lot of holes that they really didn't fix on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and that was with an insane year out of Micah Parsons. I, he, here's what I'll say. Because, and we talked about this briefly last week, and, and I get your, your hesitation here. But if Carson Wentz, in that first year in Washington... Oh, don't you dare. If he, if he plays competent, maybe above the level of just competency, that team, top to bottom, might be there with the most talented rosters in that division. It's a really good defense. They're going to be healthier this year. Chase Young is going to be back. They have a really good group of skill position players. Offensive line, I, I think, is improved, but it, it's it's not great. But they're it, it's it's all dependent on Wentz. If Wentz is league average to above average, which is substantially better than what they got last year, they they could absolutely win that division and do it at like four and a half to one odds. Like I don't rule it out of the question. And I still think you have legitimate concerns with the Eagles and start trying to figure out some more issues with, with some aging members of that defense. I think I love Jalen hurts, but you're going to deal with more defenses starting to scheme towards him a little bit more. The the scouting reports starting to come out on him a little bit more. Um, And I also wonder if Nick Sirianni can adjust, right? Like that's the thing about a lot of these first year head coaches that have success in that first year. I think about it with Matt, constantly. great first year never adjusted since because it was all about the scheme and less about the players. He never adjusted. And I don't know whether or not that's going to be the case for Sirianni. And I wonder if there's going to be some regression in Philadelphia as a result of it. I I just think Washington talent-wise, if you get a respectable year out of Wentz and he doesn't try to move himself out of another team in one year, I'd like them as a dark horse team, and I'd probably pick them because I think they offer the most value in that division.
3: They might offer the most value. I will take Dallas, and I'm not a big Cowboy. Like I think the Cowboys get overrated all the time, and, and I'm sure will. But I've seen people put them in the top five teams in the league, which is just mind blowing to me. I don't anybody can look at that team and think they're top five. Um, I don't care as much so that like everybody's like, oh, well, they lost Randy Gregory. I, Randy Gregory has 16 sacks his entire career, I, I, and I get like pressures on Dave DeMarco Lawrence and Micah Parsons. It'll be okay there. My bigger concern with them is you lose right tackle I.L. Collins. And you lose Amari Cooper. That's my bigger concern. Uh, Gallup's coming off a late-season torn ACL. Yep. But still, I'm a big believer when when all else fails, and I don't know that anybody has a massive advantage over the other one, who's the best quarterback? Well, Dak is. Dak's the best quarterback. So I will take him. I believe in him. I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's got to get better as a passer to some degree. Now, they brought in A.J. Brown. That's a real upgrade. Mm -hmm. I love their draft. Uh, They're another franchise. They just win games. That franchise, people consider whatever they want about Harry Roseman. Harry Roseman puts good teams together all the time. They are always a hard team to beat. They're always tough inside. You know they're good in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I agree with you with Washington on the weapons thing. Now they have Jahar Dotson as well. I have two concerns with them. One is, even before – Jay Young got hurt last year defensively. They were a mess. They shouldn't that have is. been. No doubt. They shouldn't have been. Like I, look, their talent is, is right there. But they were a mess defensively last season. And then Wentz, and I won't get into the whole thing because I've said it a million times in the podcast, but Wentz to me, like, you know how much of a pain in the ass you've got to be to have the numbers you had last year, to win nine games, for the team to have given up a first and a third round pick for you, and then for them to dump you off on the side of the road and go, we don't care. Yep. It could be Sam Ellinger, who's our quarterback. Get out. I mean, you've got to be beyond the pain in the ass to be sent on your way. W- under those circumstances. And I always believe too. And I don't, look, I mean, I, you've covered the league forever. Too. When, A coach gets up to the podium and says all this stuff during the week. Look, that's all BS. A lot of it is just coach speak, whatever they got to say. I mean, these guys go through media training, for God's sake. They're going to go up there and they're going to say what they have to say. I remember watching that game last year at the end of the season against Jacksonville. And the Colts are down 10 points. And the Colts were handing off nonstop in that game. They are just horrified of him having to throw the football. And the second he had to, it was a pick and another pick, and the game was over. I'm with you. Like, if Wentz surprises me and he's really good, then yeah, sure, maybe they win the division. But I'll take Dallas um, in a division that I think is probably still the worst in football. Maybe the AFC South is. Um, but, I man, the NFC East is, is not not overwhelming. And then, real quick before we get to the uh, MVP odds, yes or no here on Tomlin. Will he finally have a losing season in Pittsburgh? We talked about how good the AFC North is. Do you think the Steelers can still get to nine-plus wins?
0: They
1: had a lot of things go right for them, with Ben playing as horrible as he played, for them to get to that point last year. I, I he's never had a losing season, like you said. And if he doesn't have a losing season this year, then he's deserving of Coach of the Year, Hall of Fame tonight. Yes, just just yeah. go ahead and and rush him through. Like, just there's there, there's no doubt about it. And I and I do like Mike Tomlin quite a bit, like the obviously the the numbers speak for themselves. Like that is a dude that, that gets it, that gets culture that gets winning. He's been in a, in a perfect situation and he has capitalized on it. And they've been a wonderful organization under his leadership and a Super Bowl winning organization. But I, the defense has to regress a little bit, right? Like Watt can't repeat that? There's still plenty of issues and holes in this team. The offensive line still isn't good. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether or not Kenny Pickett is going to start games this year. I don't know if it's going to be a full season of Mitchell or halfway through. And then Mitchell Trubisky gets the Mike Lennon treatment that he had back when he was in Chicago, what, four or five years ago. Like all of these different situations are very much in play for Pittsburgh. And it's a division that top to bottom, I suppose maybe Pittsburgh got being at the bottom. Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl last year. Even if they regress, they're still probably a you know, double digit win team. Baltimore, we just talked about it. We love the over on their nine and a half. Yep. Um, who am I missing? Um, well, yeah, well, it's is kind of geez. a wild
3: card in all this because of Watson. But-
1: right. And we'll probably get more of that information within the next few weeks. But if Watson is there, then they're probably a double digit win team too. Right. So there, there's just enough going against Pittsburgh with a brand new quarterback. Like at least with Roethlisberger, he, he kind of knew what his limitations were. With Trubisky, yeah, maybe he plays decent. But, again, there's just not enough right there right now. They're not going to be a terrible team. Like They're in there, they're not like Bears bad. No, but they're not. I, like, I mean, I'd, I'd project them for maybe seven, eight wins. Like, I think they'll be close. I just don't think they get there.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, I, I think I pegged them at seven. I think that's where I had them. I just can't get – the division is too tough. Now, will they win a couple of those games just because they know how to win? Yeah, they probably will. Like, they'll probably take one from Baltimore because those games are always fights, You know, and then between Cleveland and Cincinnati, they'll probably, you know, maybe they get Cleveland, you know, they nip them once or something. They're just so limited offensively. Yeah. They don't have a quarterback. The line stinks. Who do you love as a receiver there? I like Deontay Johnson when, when he catches the ball. Claypool's a good player. I don't know that he's great. He had an incredible start to his rookie year and, and really has not been able to keep that that up. I like Fryermuth but this is a tight end.
0: So mm-hmm.
3: their weapons are are good; they're not great, but the lines bad and the quarterbacks are bad. Like if you again, kind of the old Dolphins argument I just made. If you look at Pittsburgh and you rank these teams in the AFC, we don't have to go through the whole thing right now. But like, who are they definitively better than in the AFC? It's a short list: the Jets. Okay, nobody else in the AFC East. Nobody in the AFC North. Nobody in the AFC West. Houston. And then by Jacksonville, that's the list. They're definitively better than three teams in the AFC. That's a hard, and you got you got to get to nine. I can't get there. I, I, I can't. I can't do it. So, all right, look, let's move on. I'm assuming that uh, Trubisky and Pickett are not coming up in this next segment. So, NFL MVP odds. Uh, Heisler, you're the uh, bet side of guru here. I will let you take the floor a little bit, but. Um, you looked at the odds today. What stands out to you is, is some guys who are maybe sleepers, uh, who, are, who are good, solid plays. If you're if you're trying to get big value.
1: So, but before I dive into sleepers, I kind of put them in, in different tiers. And so, for anybody that's you know just joining us or, or is curious to know where WinBet has most valuable player odds right now, Josh Allen is the favorite. He's six to one. Pat Mahomes seven and a half to one. Tom Brady at nine to one. Then you have the other names that most people would consider. Aaron Rodgers has won of the last two years is 10 to 1. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are 12 to 1. The first guy on my list is Russell Wilson. And we talked about him a little bit at the beginning of the show. You and I both believe he is not cooked. In fact, it's the opposite. And he's finally in a situation where there are going to give him plenty of opportunities to take down field shots, to be able to move the pocket a little bit, to not only be a complete foundational running team, And I do think there's an opportunity for him to be very successful. And again, narrative is a big part of this. It shouldn't be the only thing, but it does factor in. And if the Broncos start winning some of these games in the toughest division in football, and they get off to that really good start, uh, again, the backside of the schedule is going to be tough. But I think with the early portion, like we just talked about, Russell Wilson has a chance to get off to maybe a 6-2 and start. With very good numbers, all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who's right now 15 to one, possibly going as high as maybe three to one, four to one. There's value here, even if you're not necessarily sure if he's going to win it. So I think Russ, based on the fact that he has more weapons now in Denver, that it's in an offense that's going to be tailored to his success, and the guy coaching him just coached the back to back MVPs in Aaron Rodgers, uh, bodes well for him. So I think 15 to one is actually reasonable for Russell Wilson, especially if you buy into some of the narratives in the early portion of the season. What do you think of Russ at 15 to one?
3: I think it's a decent play. I mean, look, first of all, anytime you get a quarterback on a, on a team that you expect to be good with some weapons at 15 to one, who certainly has the, the potential of Russell Wilson. I think you have to look at that and go, okay. I mean, that's, that's a real, um, that's it's a real possibility. and And we're talking of course, about, who do you like his value, Ben? I mean, we're not talking about the Josh Allens and the, and the Patrick Mahomes. Everybody and their mother would tell you, yeah, of course, those two guys, uh, n- not a bad way to, to make a buck if you're, if you're trying to win and you're going to take a favorite. But for, an, for a guy who is beyond, you know, 10-1, to 12-1, yeah. I think Wilson, we talked about it. He does have weapons. None of them are unbelievable, but there's a lot of good ones. The other thing that helps them, they're going to be on prime time a lot. Yep. And, again – Like you said, narrative shouldn't matter, but let's be, real. of course it matters. Of course it matters. It does. 100% it does. He's also got the thing going for him that he's never had an MVP vote. Like, that helps too. Like, you know, it's going to be, you know, they're they're great. They're 12-5 and and they're rolling. Like, there's a little bit of a Cinderella quality to it. So, I do think he's interesting. Um, And I, I think, look. If you I'll give you a, I'll give you a guy. I'm curious, and I don't have the list in front of me. I got the odds up. Okay. Derek Carr, what are his odds?
1: So Carr is actually next on my list. So I'm glad you okay. brought him up. He's he's 30 to one over at Wimbet. Again, we both project the Raiders to finish in last place in a really tough division. And if they don't, it's gonna be because they score 35 points a game. Right. Like yeah. that's what you're kind of banking on. You're banking on Carr winning this award because the Raiders are surprising people. They're getting off to another good start, and they're closing games kind of the way that they did down the stretch last year. And the numbers just go through the roof because he's got Devontae Adams into the mix now with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller in that offense. And I know how you feel about Josh McDaniels, and the results have not been good away from Tom Brady, but I would have to imagine that he does improve with McDaniels compared to the guys that were coaching him before which proved not to necessarily work out in his favor. Like I I do buy the idea of McDaniels improving Carr's set, even at this point in his career where he's been in the league for a long time. They're going to score a lot of points because they have to score a lot of points. And I do think that's going to reflect on Carr as a consistent option who continues to climb and climb and climb, unless they have one of those games where he just completely pees down his leg and it's over. I, I look at that in a value perspective for somebody that's going to have to throw the ball a ton. It's competing in a very tough division that again, if the narrative fits and they start to surprise and we're talking about the Raiders as a possible dark horse to win this division, it adds up. And I like the value there at 30 to one for Carr, especially bringing in somebody like Devonte Adams into the mix.
3: I, I love the value there. Even though we both agree, we don't think the Raiders are going to be particularly great this year. look, They're going to throw the ball a million times. A million times. The line's not good. The running backs aren't great. Like, that, that is going to be on Carr. Like, sink or swim with that team. It is going to be on him dropping back and throwing to the three guys you mentioned over and over and over and over and over. Like, if they win 11 games, it's going to be because Derek Carr threw for 5,000 yards and has 42 touchdown passes. Like, there is no there is no plausible scenario the Raiders win 10 or 11 games to make the playoffs and Carr threw for, like, 3,700 yards. There's no way that's happening in my opinion. So um, one of the guy I thought of, and this would be a long shot, but I think is interesting. What are the odds on Jalen
1: hurts? Jalen hurts is also 30 to one. He's in the same cap or in in the same conversation as Cooper cup, um, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, all four of those guys are 30 to one this year.
3: I actually thought about Matt Ryan too. I, if Jalen Hurts was getting like forty or fifty to one, I might have, I might have said, you know, because I, I don't think his odds. Like, I, if you said to me, does Carr have a better chance of getting to the MVP than Hurts? I said, yeah, he does. Like, I, the one thing with Hurts, he does add, of course, is the mobility. He can run yes. for a bunch of yards as well. So there is that. Um, and Philly is a big market team; they'll be in, in the spotlight plenty. Hurts is an interesting guy. Like I remember when he came out, a lot of people in the league said, "Hey, look, this kid." Handled everything at Alabama really well. There were two at the same time. Goes to Oklahoma. I mean, he learned under Lincoln Riley and Nick Saban. And he was really good for both schools. Consummate pro. He's gotten better as as his career has gone on. And look, he's been a two-year NFL player, but he's really only started for one year. He started at the very, very end of his rookie season. They were awful. I mean, they were all banged up, beat up around him. I could see Hurts really having a year where all of a sudden, now look, I don't think he's going to throw for 40 touchdowns, but could I see him going for 4,000, you know, in a, in a perfect storm with maybe 30 touchdowns and he runs for another 800 yards. I mean, it's possible. They add AJ Brown, they have Devonta Smith, they have Dallas Goddard, very good offensive line in front of him. Uh, Sirianni's a, a good offensive coach. So um, again, we're talking long shots. I like him better, like maybe 40 to one or 50 to one, but, he he intrigues me more than most in that long shot category.
1: It's certainly in play. And I mean, the, the, the passing touchdown numbers don't really help him. He only had 16 last year threw right. for just over 3,000, 3,100 yards. But he also rushed for almost 800 yards and had 10 touchdowns. And yep. if you buy into the theory of like top fantasy guys might lead to a conversation amongst Quarterback intrigue and building up the narrative. Now, Hertz finished tied with Aaron Rodgers for seventh in points per game uh, as a fantasy quarterback last year, so that matters. He's going to be a guy that goes early in fantasy drafts. So I, I think somebody like Hertz again, uh, the NFC East, all four of those teams rank as the easiest strength of schedule heading into 2022 based on last year's win loss record. So it's more than feasible for somebody like Hertz to make that mark, especially with a, a real-ass wide receiver, um, now an A.J. Brown. Let me give you one last name um, worth considering, uh, and that's Trey Lance. It follows kind of a popular trend from you know last couple of years of, of second-year guys going out, balling out that year and winning MVP. It happened with Mahomes, happened with Lamar Jackson. Again, right. it's a trend, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's reflective of what's going to happen in the future, but – you saw the skill set in the limited capacity like he can be absolutely electric and having a full year to understand Shanahan's offense with the weapons around him and a really good offensive line I I buy it and this is also somebody that has been a target of a lot of sharp money early on this offseason he opened at a lot of sports books at 80 to 1 he's now at 50 to 1 it's a long shot but that's yeah. part of the intrigue here Lamar Jackson opened up his rookie or his uh, sophomore year at 66 to one. My buddy Joe Ostrowski bet him at 66 to one, cash that MVP bet. Like these are the situations that can occur in the NFL when you're in the right situation with the right coaching staff and you're able to exploit teams that don't know how to defend against you. And we haven't seen enough of Trey Lance for a lot of NFL defenses to be able to do that yet. And Shanahan's offense, granted, that does not always come through in the postseason, but man, it, it does a good job, especially of getting guys out in space. Yards after the catch is going to be big for Lance uh, to throw to somebody like both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. You still have Kittle, assuming he can stay healthy. There's weapons for him, and he's absolutely electric in space. I I don't put it past him as a legitimate dark horse candidate at 50-1. to
3: Okay. I I don't hate it. Look, so real quick for me, two things, and we can wrap it. Um, So I'm going to read off these numbers, and I'll, I'll explain why in a second. 59.8 59.8 completion percentage, 35 touchdown passes, 10 picks, 7.1 touchdown percent. So in other words, if you throw 100 passes, 7.1 are touchdowns. This player never had more than 5.1 in any other season. 7.1 easily led the league. And also, in addition to those passing stats, that year this player rushed for 636 yards and 10 touchdowns. It's Cam Newton in 2015 won the MVP that year. Could Jalen Hurts have a year like that? Maybe. I mean, it's a high watermark for Cam, but that—that that would be my argument for the long shot. The last one I would toss in there, and it, this one, I—I I, I would say, stri- frankly, would be a hey for five bucks on this. Trevor Lawrence. Like nobody was screwed over more as a rookie in the history of football than Trevor Lawrence. Okay,
1: he's seventy-five to one. Um, guys that are in that ranking are Nick Chubb, Jamar Chase, Mac Jones, actually a bunch of guys there, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Justin Fields, Najee Harris, and Stefan Diggs. You're talking about like elite Najee level Harris? position players. Najee yes, Harris is one.
3: That's aggressive. I, I think that's actually great value because think of it this way. Doug Peterson's a real head coach. He's an offensive minded head coach. They went out and brought in some weapons. Like say whatever you want about Christian Kirk, he got massively overpaid, but he, he might be good for a thousand yards. You have you have James Robinson who's coming back from the Achilles. We'll see if he's healthy at the beginning of the year. But you have Travis Etienne who's coming back who's healthy. They went out and addressed the offensive line. They brought back Cam Robinson. They brought it brought a Brandon Schreff from Washington, who's one of the best guards in the league. That's a team. They still have you know Shanault uh, Laviska Shanault. That that's a team that actually like has some players on it and has a real coach now? No, do I and think Jackson. Easy,
1: very easy division other than the Colts and depends it, on how you how you evaluate the Titans right now.
3: Which it's the worst division in the AFC, easily. Correct. And look, now do I think he's gonna win M V P no, it's way like seventy five to one. But could I make a case that this year he shows what everybody thought he was going to be? Yeah. And if if you think that 75 to 1, and that's, is that not worth 10 bucks? Hey, you know what? Screw it. It it hits 750. I like his 75 to 1. I feel like that's a huge value just to basically bet on Urban Meyer no longer is there. This should, I mean, the Bears, we talked about them earlier. They can't be worse. No, no, no. This can't be worse. Like, it can only be better. So I actually – and I think Lawrence is going to end up being a very good quarterback. So I, I, would, I would think that that's actually a pretty good value.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's a good value play as well. I, I think my concern is where does Lawrence outplay all the other quarterbacks that are similar to him? Does he throw for more touchdowns or yards than Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? You know, probably not. I think with somebody like Carr, he could lead the NFL in, in passing yards this year. You know, Jalen Hurts could lead the NFL in in rushing yards, maybe be, maybe only behind Lamar Jackson. But if he throws for 25 plus touchdowns, um, and takes the and turns the ball over a little bit less, and rushes for another 800 and runs in for 10 more touchdowns than it's in, you know, same thing with with Trey Lance, but with a better team, um, to be able to elevate what he does both running the football and passing the football. I, I Lawrence is athletic enough to be able to run a little bit, but. I, it's a good value play. I, I, I think if he gets off to a good start, you're going to see that number really start to take off at the odds at wherever they're they're being set in Vegas. Yeah. Um, but I, I I just have some concerns that he won't be able to reach those top tier guys in the stats that are comparable to the type of quarterbacks that they are.
3: All right, that is the show for this week. Heisler, What is going on? A in life and B at betside.
1: A lot going on at bet side. I'll start there. We got the PGA championship this week. Um, Our guys, Ian McMillan and Joe Summers have done an awesome job with a ton of different content leading up to the second major of the year over at Southern Hills. Uh, Pretty cool. that tiger woods is playing yet again. Um, It's the first time that he's played uh, that he's actually having a chance to defend his PGA championship because he won this event at Southern Hills in Tulsa in 2007 but he's 101, um, and I think the odds makers are, aren't as concerned about Tiger winning this time around uh, compared to when he opened up at around 50-1 to 1, uh, when he played the Masters. So we got that. Obviously, the NBA playoffs are going on, Major League Baseball every day as well. Anything that you're looking for as far as props, uh, plays of the day, we have our daily show, uh, the uh, daily bet slip, uh, which you can catch every day on YouTube and on uh, at BetSided at 5 p.m. Eastern, so definitely check that out if you're looking for a few bets to, to consider on the day. I'm hosting today's show with uh, with our guy, Reed Wallach. As far as life goes, Verderam, I got uh, I got my oldest son turning three next week. Um, right. You know, first birthday, obviously, a milestone. He, he turned two three months after uh, our youngest was born, so you know, we were kind of sleep-deprived and trying to figure out what the hell we were doing when he turned two. I feel like this is like an underrated milestone birthday because he just went through like a year of like his sort of preschool thing. Like I'm having full conversations with him. You know, if he's starting to watch a little bit more sports on TV, like I, I feel like this is like a, me- a more meaningful, substantial birthday in his life because he's actually excited about his own birthday and right. is asking for things and. You know, one knows that he's going to have a party at this park at a certain time. To, I, I don't know. I, I know that you have you have a couple of kids as well. What, what was it like celebrating the third birthday? Do you feel like those same type of overwhelming feelings that that I have right now?
3: Yeah, it's good. You know, I, I think the first birthday is like you said, it's like that big milestone, of course. Right. It's number one. But it's really more like that birthday party is more for like the parents that you survived. Correct. The the kid has no idea what the hell's going on. You throw a smash cake in front of the kid, and they just slam their face into it, and they're good to go. Yeah. Um, I I think you're right. You know, you get into the third, fourth, because my my oldest, Maisie, who made a brief appearance here this afternoon, she's four and a half. Okay. And then the youngest one is is six weeks. So, I mean, uh, you know, she's got a little ways to go before she starts one. But, yeah, it it becomes cool. Like, as they get a little bit older, um, they get excited. They ask for a few things. You know, I, for whatever the reason with Maisie, I always think of Christmas. That always seems to stand out. Like she just got, like her, I remember her third Christmas very vividly. She was very excited. Yeah. You know, ran down, you know, the kind of that like classic story, right? Ran down the stairs. went to the tree. Got
1: kind of like a little Hallmark moment for, for the Hallmark. Yeah.
3: That's yeah. It, except it cost me way more than it looks like in a Hallmark movie. Um, <laughs> but that, and it's 7 a.m. And no one's sleeping the rest of the day. But it's, yeah, I think it's it's fun as that goes along. Like you can just like you know when your kids born, it's such a moment. But then your kids born and you're excited and you're so happy, but you're also like I don't know what to do cuz this kid can't do anything. Like I'm going to feed this kid and talk to the kid and the kid's going to look at me and go I I yeah, I, I don't know. Like what? I don't know what to do. Um as you get older it becomes more fun. Like with Maisie tonight is her first soccer game. So I've got to go like I I'm, I'm coaching. So I get to go coach that. That'll be fun. You know, like the, the, they're all, she's all excited. Um, that kind of stuff definitely makes it worthwhile. My wife, I mean, six weeks out from having a kid, she's like, oh, we should have another kid. I, I'll be in the hole <laughs> if we have another kid. Okay. I, I'll tell you right now, that's not happening. I would be in – I love our children. I would be in deep emotional pain with more kids. I don't think I can – although not quite the, the transition, not quite as painful – as your friend and our colleague Ian McMillan, who basically emotionally passed away during the Maple Leafs game, <laughs> who for those who don't know worked at bedside, and Ian's a great guy. Um, he joined us on our draft show, and he is—he is an Atlanta Falcons and a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and I, mean, I can't, that that's worse than life in prison. Like, <laughs> how do you? How does that happen? And he just, he just, he you know, like live streamed himself for, for games, everyone in Toronto, all oh, deep,
1: deep pain. He's, he's a glutton for punishment. And, you know, I, I I give him a lot of props because his his commitment to the content is spectacular. <laughs> for anybody, like, I think it's at the top of his, his Twitter page at, at Ian Macbets. If you want to watch just pure pain, like you mentioned, like, He's recognizing the moment of what happened. He, he bought a bottle of champagne for the Leafs to finally win a playoff game. He had a victory cigar. And then, you know, because he just decided he wanted to drink the champagne, even though he lost, well, he has a paper bag over his head. He's trying to drink the champagne. The paper bag is on his head. It doesn't go through the mouth hole. And just, he pours it all over himself. And it's, it's just spectacular content. And you should all be following him uh, and at bedside, and to be able to see—I—I I, I hate to celebrate another person's pain, but like I know. from a comedy perspective, God, it was spectacular.
3: It's—I feel bad because like I've been there. I mean, the Chiefs finally won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but anyone who's familiar with the Chiefs' history knows the deep, deep, unrelenting pain that preceded that Super Bowl. And I'm a Knicks fan, so there's been plenty of ideas. Oh, yeah. it, right? The It. You know, like I knew exactly how he felt, and I'm watching that Toronto Tampa game. I actually thought of him with like three minutes left, I'm like, oh my god, man, they're gonna lose another <laughs> game. I, it's just, it's it's unfortunate. It's traumatic. You know, people, you always get those people in life who are who are friends, whatever, but they don't know because they're like they're not sports fans. I'm like, it's just a game. You know, like, look, it's not just a damn game, okay? Like, if it was just a game, I wouldn't care as much. I wouldn't be as invested. It's all, that's a whole nother that, argument. That's what it is.
1: It, it is the time invested Yes, that you, you go through it to hope hours upon hours upon hours. You sometimes you change your entire schedule around to be able to commit that time. And then when it's just all over and they do it in a way that completely and totally just rips your heart out of your chest, then you're la- that's when you're left thinking to yourself, why did I spend all that time? In? And yeah. that's both the beauty and the curse cool. of, of being a fan. And it's what well, so it makes it great.
3: I'll, I, it is. It is. And I'll leave it at this. You know what? I always used to feel like when people would like refer to a sports team as we, that always used to drive me nuts. I'm like, you're not on the team. Let's just stop. Yeah. The older I get, the more I'm like, look, man, you want to call you, you want we? That's fine. Because you're so invested. You're not lifting weights with the team and you're not on the jet going to another game. Fine. You spend a lot of money. You're invested as all get out. You're more broken up a lot of times than the players at the end of the season when it didn't work out. Like, you want to go we, I'm fine with it. I've changed my stance on that. Like, it it is an investment. I, I'll tell you right now, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was be at Super Bowl 54 up in the press box, and I'm watching the Chiefs-Niners game, and I'm sitting there, and you cannot – you have, you can, listen, It's it's a deep personal responsibility, I feel like, when I'm writing or reporting, to be unbiased and be professional. And I can honestly say, I've always been able to do that. But emotionally, watching that fourth quarter from the press box and not being able to, like, jump up when Damian Williams was running down the sideline, that is the hardest thing I've ever done in my professional life. It took And by the way, I was next to somebody who was very openly a 49ers fan. (laughs) Like, it took everything I had not to jump out of my seat and just start screaming. Um, But it was fun. I remember at the end of the game, Yeah, the NFL. They come up. Which locker room would you like to go down to? (laughs) It's like I will go to Kansas City's locker room. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, You know, or which or which press area? And I was like, I'll go to I'll go to Kansas. But in any event, listen. God bless Ian and every other leash fan out there who's dealing with just unbelievable psychological torture. Um, But I hope I hope everybody enjoyed the show. so thank you so much for coming on, man. For not only your normal spot, but for what has turned into almost an hour and a half. We had Carm on from Thanks, yeah. Alice Hall. We get to hear about Carm's athletic failures. That's always fun. Um, but hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us here on Stack in the Box. We as always will be back next Tuesday. I'll give an update. We got my daughter's got soccer tonight and on Thursday. So I'll, I'll give an update on how those games went. Those kids better win the games. I'm not I'm not there to be made out to be a loser. I don't care if they're four or five years old. So, with that, for Ben Heisler, I am Matt Verder and this has been Sack in the Box. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again next week.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time.